Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is the Song of Moses. So we're now reading poetry. The whole book has been a speech up to this point, except to maybe the last one or two chapters was narrative, but now the last three chapters are different. We've got the Song of Moses in this chapter. The next chapter, we've got the Benediction of Moses. And in the last chapter, we've got the, basically it's a bit of narrative explaining about the death of Moses. So the speech is over, but the, the song and the blessing of Moses in the next two chapters are interesting in their own ways. Let's read. Give ear, you heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. My doctrine will drop as the rain. My speech will condense as the dew, as the misty rain on the tender grass, as the showers on the herb. For I will proclaim Yahweh's name, Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness who does no wrong. Just and right is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are not his children because of their defect. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay Yahweh, foolish and unwise people? Isn't he the father who brought you? He has made you and established you. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the children of men, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For Yahweh's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, in the waste howling wilderness. He surrounded him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle that stirs up her nest, that flutters over her young. He spread abroad his wings. He took them. He bore them on his feathers. Yahweh alone led him. There was no foreign god with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth. He ate the increase of the field. He caused him to suck honey out of the rock, oil out of the flinty rock, butter from the herd and milk from the flock, with the fat of lambs, rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the finest of wheat. From the blood of the grape you drank wine. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You have grown fat. You have grown thick. You have become sleek. Then he abandoned God who made him and rejected the rock of his salvation. They moved him to jealousy with strange gods. They provoked him to anger with abominations. They sacrificed to demons, not God, to gods they didn't know, to new gods that came up recently, which your fathers didn't dread. Of the rock who became your father, you are unmindful. You have forgotten God who gave you birth. Yahweh saw and abhorred because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. He said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a very perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. I will move them to jealousy with those who are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation.
for a fire is kindled in my anger that burns to the lowest Sheol, devours the earth with its increase, and sets the foundations of the mountains on fire. I will heap evils on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger and devoured with burning heat and bitter destruction. I will send the teeth of animals on them with the venom of vipers that glide in the dust. Outside the sword will bereave, and in the rooms terror on both young man and virgin, the nursing infant with the grey-haired man. I said that I would scatter them afar, I would make their memory to cease from among men. Were it not that I feared the provocation of the enemy, lest their adversaries should judge wrongly, lest they should say, Our hand is exalted, Yahweh has not done all this. For they are a nation void of counsel. There is no understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and Yahweh had delivered them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves concede. For their vine is of the vine of Sodom, and of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison grapes. Their wine is the poison of serpents, the cruel venom of asps. Isn't this laid up in store with me, sealed among my treasures? Vengeance is mine, and recompense at the time when their foot slides. For the day of their calamity is at hand. Their doom rushes at them. For Yahweh will judge his people, and have compassion on his servants, when he sees that their power is gone, that there is no one remaining, shut up or left at large. He will say, Where are their gods? the rock in which they took refuge, which ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I myself am he. There is no God with me. I kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. There is no one who can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and declare as I live forever. If I sharpen my glittering sword, my hand grasps it in judgment. I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood. My sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the head of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries and will make atonement for his land and for his people. Moses came and spoke all the words of this song in the ears of the people, he and Joshua the son of Nun. Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel. He said to them, Set your heart to all the words which I testify to you today, which you shall command your children to observe to do, all the words of this law. For it is no vain thing for you, because it is your life. And through this thing you shall prolong your days in the land where you go over the Jordan to possess it. Yahweh spoke to Moses that same day, saying, Go up into this mountain of Abarim, to Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is across from Jericho, and see the land of Canaan, 
which I give to the children of Israel for a possession. Die on the mountain where you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor, and was gathered to his people. Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you didn't uphold my holiness among the children of Israel, for you shall see the land from a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I give the children of Israel. That was a long song. I should have warned you in advance. <laughs> um, Moses is about to die. The Lord's given him this song. And um, when I was reading on this, I came across in the Kaufman commentary, he broke this song into three sections. The first section, it talks about the faithfulness of God. And that's where we get that great set of lines, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect and all his ways are just. We've sung that in church before. And um, the first section is about the faithfulness of God, but the faithlessness of God's people. In the second section, it talks about the punishment that God would bring upon his people and how that was needed and how that was just. And in the third section, it talks about the compassion of God upon his people because they are powerless and humbled. I think it's really interesting that you've got the, the Israelites who are in Egypt as slaves. We talked about this back in Exodus. And they're, they're clearly humbled or they're humiliated because they're slaves. But the humiliation is an external one. They're humbled because of something that comes from the outside. But as soon as they get into the desert and they're their own people and that external thing is removed, do you notice how they grumble, they complain, they blame God? You would say to yourself, oh, because you know the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. And you would say, oh, that they were a humble nation because they were slaves. But as soon as they were out of the slavery, they weren't humble. They were very proud. And this is like us. So many of us, you know, we, we come to God because we recognize we need his help, but we're not really humble. We're just glad to get his help. And um, we still are kind of proud living for ourselves. But in this song, it goes through the three stages, the stage of God's faithfulness, but they're unfaithful, then God judging them. But then in the third section, they come to the point where they're helpless and they recognize they're powerless and God has compassion upon them. Now the people of God have become humble, but it's an internal humility. They've come to the place where they recognize they can't live without him not in the same way that the slaves did, where they recognized they needed God, but now they rec they're recognizing that they just they need God to even live. And when the Lord's blessing them, they're not demanding it, but they're appreciative. So this is the gospel right here. It's the gospel work in our lives. And so that's why I think that as sad as it is, this the process of salvation history where God gave the, the message to the Jewish people, but then they were humbled and went through all these terrible things, in some ways it had to happen. Um, even though God didn't, didn't choose any, like the, everyone was given their own individual choices and there were people that chose God wholeheartedly like Daniel and David and others. There were always people that did walk with the Lord, but there were plenty that didn't. But it's as though that whole entire process, which is outlined in the Song of Moses, is so important 
because now it's it, we, we've been brought to the place where as, collectively as the people of God, we're more humble than what we would have been. Now, they're always proud people. Many individual people are proud, but we, it's a process that God has done in, in history to bring about the things he needed to bring about. And in some ways, it had to have happened this way. Even though God didn't choose for his people to suffer, it's just he knew it would happen. This song is called a didactic poem. Didactic means teaching. So it's a teaching song. It's a song, I mean, you would have noticed as I was reading the song, it wasn't a catchy song. You know, like there are songs we listen to that are very catchy, they get stuck in your mind. It's, it's not a song that gets stuck in your mind, or certain lines might have been stuck in your, your mind. It's, it's not like any song that, we're, that we know. Um, it's a teaching song, so it's something that they're taught to sing. And I would say, I'm just guessing here, but I would say that the singing of it and the melody of it is what causes them to remember it. You know, in the same way that there are, we have memory aid devices. There are certain things that are put to music just to help you remember them. I remember in high school we had to recite a poem as part of an English assessment. and I struggled to remember my poem, and I don't even remember what it is now. But my brother, he, when he did his assessment, this is Philip that you see in the church videos, he, um, rather than trying to memorize a song, he thought, uh, a poem, he thought he'd pick a poem that he already knew in the ver version of a song, which was Casey Jones. You know, it was a song about a, a locomotive driver. The problem was when he got up to recite it, <laughs> he could only sing it. So that was very memorable and entertaining, but you can see how the singing of it helps the memory of it. And so that's what the Lord said to Moses. He taught them this song so that they would remember it. And um, it's obviously still with us here to this very day. And the song doesn't only teach the Israelites, it teaches us too. There's a few things in this, um, there's lots of elements of this song you can grab and you can talk about, but I just want to talk about two. In verse 15, God used an interesting name for Israel. He called them Jeshurun. Now this word name Jeshurun, it's an alternative name for Israel. It appears only four times in the Bible. Three of them are right here in the book of Deuteronomy. And one of them is in the prophet Isaiah. The word Jeshurun, it means upright or the most noble. So the Lord is calling Israel the most noble one or the upright one. It's, it's, in this song, it's a bit ironic or it's a bit sarcastic because the, the song's talking about how these people were definitely not noble and not upright. So he's giving them this name that sounds so like the opposite of what they actually are. But I think, um, so it would have stood out in their mind and really got their attention. I personally think that the reason that that name is used there is it's prophetic. And it's, it's two things. First of all, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the most noble and he's the most upright and he's the one that we aspire to. But the other thing I think is it's also talking about us. We're a God's Israel, and that's what we're called to be. We're called to be noble and upright. Now, the Israelites went through this process where they weren't. They weren't like that at all. And so that's why the name would have really stood out to them. But as Christians, we're called to not be like the world that's around us. We're called to be different. So, for example, you had, you know, in the communist era in Russia, you had, you had the Russians taking all these people off to the gulag and you'd have people that would act like humans. 
They would um, scream and cry and be get bitter and be offended. And you know, you, you can't blame them because the tortures and the things were terrible. But then you'd have Christians who had the Holy Spirit, and they would come in, like in the Romania, in Romania, for example, in the Romanian communist situation. If you've ever read the book Tortured for Christ with Richard Wormbrand, they would bring in these people and they would torture them, but because the Holy Spirit was on them, they wouldn't react like other people. Now, the Lord helped them. But the result of it was, it was a huge witness for the gospel, and people got saved. And... Um, this is what we're called to. This is the meaning of the word jeshurun. We're called to not be like the world around us. We're called to be upright and noble. And to do it, you need the Holy Spirit's help. So that's something we should be believing for. In verse 28, in the middle of this song, Moses said to these people, he said that you have no understanding. And that's always been the problem. Whenever a people of God, or individuals or groups, don't understand then they tend to lean on their own understanding and they go away from God. And what we need to do is have understanding. In the book of Proverbs in chapter 4, Solomon, you know, who wrote the book, he's, he's talking about a time when his father took a hold of him and said to him, get understanding and get wisdom, though it cost you everything. It was really clear in the mind of King David that the, the most valuable thing to be had is understanding. And still the same for us today. We need to seek understanding. We need to understand what God's trying to do. And then we will follow him all our days and do well. So that's something you seek. And you seek it in prayer, but you seek it also in listening by sitting with the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm here. Give me understanding. Speak to me. Show me your ways. And that's one of the reasons why we at Peace have regular times of listening. We do it every week. So these are just a few little things that we can bring out of chapter 32 of Deuteronomy. In, um, there's one more thing I want to mention. In the middle of this song, I think it's about verse 22. I don't have it here in my notes, but um, it says that Moses was talking to them and says, you will become jealous of a nation that you do not know. Now this is found, you can go to the New Testament in Romans chapter 10 and Paul quotes this verse. And he's actually talking about the Gentiles. The nation that they didn't know is the Gentiles. And all the promises of God have now come to us. I mean, they're for Jew and for Gentile. But this process of jealousy is underway. Where Jewish people are looking at the Gentiles, they're looking, well, Christian Gentiles in particular, and they're looking at those who've accepted Christ and they're wondering to themselves, why aren't the words of God being fulfilled for us? It's been 2,000 years, where's the Messiah? But there's this process of jealousy at work in Jewish people just like Moses said, that you will become jealous of a nation you do not know. And Paul quoted that in Romans 10 and said that that was the Gentiles. So I encourage you to pray. And there are a lot of Jewish people that are becoming Christian. You know, they're becoming Messianic Jews. Jews, they're still Jewish, that's their culture, but they're coming to realize, wow, Jesus is our Messiah. And suddenly the whole Bible takes on meaning. That whole understanding thing clicks in the mind. It's incredible when it happens to a Jewish person. So it's pray for them. Keep them in your prayers. But also pray for, seek wisdom and seek understanding as verse 28 encourages us to do. Father, I want to thank you for the song of Moses and the many, many things that are in it, even the things we didn't talk about today. I pray you give us understanding. Like David said to Solomon, to seek it 
uh, above all other things. Lord, I pray you'd open our minds and hearts to the things of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 